What is up, B.A. Familia, and welcome to another episode of the Breathing Air Podcast, where everyday action meets extraordinary mindset. I'm your host, Mason Bendigo. Thank you all so much for tuning in to another episode. Disclaimer for today's podcast, I am not a medically licensed doctor. However, we are having an Ayurvedic doctor come on the podcast today. Ayurveda is one of the oldest reaching back over 5,000 years to what we see now as India. So one of the oldest healing sciences that directly translates to the knowledge of life, it incorporates mind and body connection and looks to reach to the base of the problem versus trying to cover up all of the other symptoms and possibly pile on more outcomes by doing so. And that brings me to our guest today, Mr. Victor Breer. He is the co-founder of the International Institute of Ayurveda, where he serves as an NAMA recognized Ayurvedic doctor and Kundalini yoga teacher. We discuss Victor's journey to finding Ayurveda and everything in between, kind of the path that led him to helping people the way that he does now, some of the insane testimonies and stories that he has gotten from in this practice. And I kind of just went into this with an open eye. Like I said earlier, I didn't really have any type of background knowledge of Ayurveda. So really went in on a blank slate and learned a lot about the practice, learned a lot about one of the oldest healing sciences that is alive today and still practice. So I think you guys are going to get a lot out of this. Very interesting, very informational, but also some great stories of Victor's travel and things that he's seen and just the incredible journey that he's had to get to where he is now helping change people's lives. If you want to learn more about Ayurveda or get in contact with Victor, he also gives you guys a deal for a 15 minute free session during the interview. So if you want to go learn more, you can go find them at iiayurveda.com. Today's episode is brought to you by our incredible sponsors over at Garden Fresh Media. In today's day and age, you have to have media to stay relevant, to push what you're doing. It is a cornerstone. It's not end-all be-all, but you have to have it. And if you want to go further in your creative steps and in making your dreams come true, look no further than Garden Fresh Media. They're a media company with all types of social media, content creation, website, photography, graphic design, you name it. The Breathe and Air podcast page over at Breathe and Air Pod on Instagram is a good telltale sign of a lot of the great work that they do over there. So go check them out. You can find them on GardenFreshMedia.com. Garden Fresh Media, no media, no growth. And if you want to get $50 off your first logo design, you can use promo code BREATHE50 for $50 off your first logo design. If you enjoyed today's episode, 
share it with someone that you think will benefit from it. Share it with someone that you think will take something from it and then go and use it in your everyday life. Go check us out on Apple Podcasts. If you're listening, hit that subscribe button. Leave us a comment and review. I always love to hear your feedback. Go follow us on Instagram as well. And let me know what you thought of the episode today with Victor Breer. Y'all enjoy. Today we have Mr. Victor Breer come on. He's an Ayurvedic doctor, and I probably butchered saying that. Did I say that right? Ayurvedic. Ayurvedic, okay. You had it pretty good. Yeah, and, and that translates to the science of life or the knowledge of life. And this is a practice that I really didn't know too much about until I started researching for the show. And it, it's something that I think is very important to know about. It ties mental, physical, and spiritual health together. So, Victor, thank you so much for coming on the show. You got it. Thanks for hosting me. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about what is Ayurveda to the core? Ayurveda to the core. Ayurveda is about the core of health and healing. And it's a, uh, it's a science that sprung out of humanity over 7,000 years ago in what is now called India. So I always like to remind people that, you know, when we're talking about that long of a period of time ago, don't think India as we know it. Think that just that region because everything was different, right? So and it, it's a completely nature-based medicine. Then at its core, it goes through the layers of the being, us, and everywhere we can fall out of balance based on our true or authentic self. And the further we go out of balance, the sicker we get. And that's not, that's meant to be taken literally. So that's not meant to be taken as a metaphor or something like that. Because Ayurveda says that the mind, body, spirit, we might talk about them as other three separate things, but they're not. They're one thing. And so anywhere you go out of balance in your life is going to show up in your body somehow. And here in the West, we've, we've really lost touch with that wisdom, and it's just starting to come back now. Yeah, you, you kind of have seen over the last, I would say, definitely five, maybe to 10 years, you've seen, you know holistic eating, uh, yoga practices, taking care of your body, starting to come a little bit, I wouldn't want to say trendy, but people are starting to pay attention a little bit more. And I think COVID even more so, you know, kicked that in the butt and said, hey, we got to pay attention to the way that we're treating our bodies and our minds. And I think that this practice itself is really something that accentuates that. So tell me how you even discovered Ayurveda and how you are in this position now to teach others about it? Yeah. So I like, uh, like you, I was walking around, I grew up in Los Angeles and, you know, I just thought that you just walk around, you're healthy. And if you, you hope you don't get sick. And if you get sick, you go to the doctor and you hope that they can do something about it. That was kind of as far as it went in my mind. And, um, when I was 18 or so, I got this back pain. And, you know, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't like I was laid out or anything like that, but it wasn't okay either. It wasn't something I could ignore. Um, and it was really nagging at me. So I went to go see some doctors and I got the MRI and the x-ray and the da 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 and the da and nothing, everything was inconclusive. And so I went, they, I kept being referred to other doctors and nothing was working. And one doctor sat down and just said, look, you know, and this is over a two year period. He was just like, look, 
I know you've been trying to resolve this, but we're either going to offer you surgery or painkillers, your choice. Um, you know, if though, and I was like, I don't want to do either. And he's like, then we're not going to really be able to help you. Um, I was like, okay. So at the time I didn't know what to do. I, I'd never heard of Ayurveda. I'd never, you know, I was just kind of lost. Hmm. And, um, one of my friends suggested I try yoga. So I went to a yoga, uh, studio that was near my college and, um, really liked the yoga teacher and all that. So I scheduled a session with the yoga teacher and we did a private session together and she looked me up and down and gave me a few postures to do. And after a few weeks, I had no back pain. And this is something I've been dealing with for years. Um, so more important than the back pain going away was that it opened my mind to a whole other world of healing and how the body worked. Um, so that led me to travel, learn a lot, and eventually introduced me to Ayurveda, which is the sister science of yoga. A lot of people don't know that. But yoga and Ayurveda are meant to be practiced together. Yeah, I love that. And I, I speak a lot about the mind-body connection. Yoga definitely brings that together. Um, you know, nothing transforms the body like the mind. The mind has to be there to allow the body to go and vice versa. So tell me a little bit about how you incorporate yoga with the practice and specifically kundalini yoga. Yeah, I started... I started practicing yoga when I was what I guess it was be 19 or 20. And I started with Iyengar yoga, which um, was great as an introduction because it was very body oriented, made sure I got all my postures correct. And, and, uh, but I didn't know, I didn't know much about yoga at that time. So I was just trying stuff out. Um, so after I went traveling, I practiced some yoga with a Zen monk for a little while. And I practiced a few different other forms of yoga and then I came back to the United States and I met my current yoga teacher and that, and he practiced Kundalini yoga. And so the reason I got into Kundalini yoga was because of um, his influence and who he was. And I wanted to practice what he was practicing. So he became a mentor to me um, and got really into it. And Kundalini yoga is fantastic. I mean, it's very, it completely transforms your body. You just kind of have to experience it for yourself. Um, it's holding postures for long periods of times. It puts a lot of pressure and stress on your nervous system and then allows you to relax and calm down and learn how to transition from a stress state to a relaxed state and build resilience. That's one of its primary modes of changing your body. That along with the pranayama, breath work, mantras, meditation, all that stuff has a big influence. If you practice it every day, you become quite the different person. Yeah. I, I've had a similar transformation with the breath work, the meditation. I haven't really dove deep into the yoga side of things, but I'm excited to do that here in the near future. You mentioned in your travels, you're with a Zen monk practicing yoga. I, I yeah. got I got to rewind you there. Tell me a little bit about this experience. Where were you at? Uh, I was in Japan okay. and I had uh, I had applied to work at this lodge because a Zen monk lived there. And I want to see what, you know, come on. It was always kind of like a fantasy of mine. I guess you could say it's like, oh, you know, Zen, Zen Buddhism and a Zen monk can learn yoga. So um, I went to the lodge and he's this really great guy and learned some yoga from him and, you know, did some of the Zen practices, but I wasn't about to become a Zen Buddhist. Right. Because uh, that's a whole different thing if you're going to get serious about that. Right. Yeah. So, um, 
I, I just learned what I could learn for a few months. And he taught me a whole series of yoga postures and breath work. And, you know, I did this extended fast and, and got an idea of what it was like to experience my body and mind and that kind of a state at a very novice level. I mean, if you're going to be a Zen Buddhist, that's a serious, serious, serious commitment. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, but it was, it was great to experience it and get an idea of what that lifestyle was like. Yeah. Did that kind of open the door for you to say, wow, I really want to dive deeper into, you know, connecting my mind and my body and, and these other practices? Yeah. I mean, I, I started having my own experiences through meditation and pranayama. Um, and those personalized experiences where it wasn't me reading in a book or someone telling me it was happening inside me. And so that made everything very real. And it, it wasn't a theory that I could think about or argue with or debate. It was like, no, I, I read that in a book. Sure. But it, it happened in, in me. I know, you know, like, what do you want me to say? It's, uh, it's unmistakable. So once you have that experience that create a lot of motivation for me. Yeah. For yeah. some the novice and they're like, wow, this breath work, just breath work in general seems so interesting or meditation in general. When you first started, and, and anyone that's first started knows that it is an uncomfortable process to begin with. But what are some tips for maybe a novice that it's getting into meditation or breath work for them to start and jump in? To start, I would say just start, just go, just go for it. Just don't even worry about if you're doing it right or wrong, you know, like all that stuff, just go for it and get into it and just show up. Yeah. Um, because Part of the whole beauty of yoga, Ayurveda, all that stuff is that you're not in control of the process entirely. You know, you're in control of what practices you do and all that stuff, but you're not exactly in control of how everything changes. You just have to go along for the ride um, and be open to new experiences, right? Hmm. So I would say go in with an open mind, open heart, and seriously, find someone who's experienced to be a mentor or a teacher. Um, I think that's a missing connection we have in our modern society and it's very important. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, someone that can lead you in the way that you're supposed to go is definitely important beginning. To, I want to dive a little bit deeper into the five elements and, or the energies that Ayurveda, you know, encompasses. Tell me a little bit about those five elements and those, the qualities of the elements. Yeah, the five elements is a deep, understanding of the cosmos. So if you go online and type in Ayurveda five elements, you're going to be directed probably to some dosha quiz that says you're a fire type or a pitta type or whatever. That's all fine and fun, but it's not really what Ayurveda is about or the five element theory. So you got the five elements are ether, wind or air, fire, water, and earth. That doesn't literally mean like fire, right? So the what what's important about that is that those elements are the basic primordial un, irreducible building blocks of all of matter. And what they carry are qualities. So for example, wind or air has the quality of movement. And so everything that moves in the universe, which is almost everything, is said to embody that quality that's represented by the element of wind. Ether, space, fire, the ability to destroy or break down, uh, water, the ability to flow or adhere, and earth, the ability to form forms, structures. 
And so by mixing all these qualities together, you get a form, any, any given form in the universe. And that, that's the fundamental nature of matter. And so Ayurveda deals with those elements and says, if you want to affect the body, learn to modify these elements with food, lifestyle, thought vibrations, whatever, all of it. And depending on how well you can proportion those elements into your natural makeup is how healthy you're going to be. Yeah. And I love that it's not a one size fits all approach because of those elements everyone is a little bit heavier in one section than the other is, am I correct there in stating that? Correct. Completely correct. And that's why, um, you never want to buy into like what happens in our modern culture, where it's like, everyone should do keto diet. Everyone (laughs) should do Atkins diet. Everyone should do this. Everyone should do that. Everyone should drink celery juice. Yeah, That's a bad idea because we are not all the same. And we have different proportions of different elements and we need different things to thrive. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned a little bit the lifestyle, the diet, and these things that are have to be personalized for people like we just talked about. Two things that came up when I was doing a little research was turmeric and ashwagandha. Of course. People are making a lot of money off turmeric and ashwagandha right now. Yeah, they are. (laughs) I'm going to say these two things that I've been, I've taken both of those for at least two, three years now and have enjoyed both of them, but you definitely are right. (laughs) People are making a lot of money off of them. What are these, what are these Eastern, you know, medicines or Eastern, you know, supplements we could say that, that are becoming Westernized and, and that have maybe, you know, got the rap of, Oh, this is just for money. How do we kind of sort through, what is really good and what really isn't at the end of the day? It's a great question uh, and super important. So turmeric is this incredible herb, right? Plant. It's not an herb. It's a tuber. Um, Ashwagandha, again, incredible plant, has all these wonderful things about it. And so if you buy a bottle of turmeric and it says anti-inflammatory, this, that, da-da-da, on and on, blah, 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 it's great. And it's true, but only in a certain context. Mm-hmm. Same with ashwagandha, stress relieving, adaptogenic, you know, gives you sexual potency, the on and on and on, but only in a certain context. Mm-hmm. And so it can also be harmful if taken in the wrong context. And that's what Ayurveda is all about. That's a core principle of Ayurveda, which is anything in the world is either medicinal or poisonous, depending on the context in which it's used. And the context being your body. So if I'm very hot, if I'm running really hot and I've got skin rashes and I've got hyperacidity and I take turmeric, it's going to make it worse. Hmm. Most likely, right? If I am full of toxicity in my body and I can't digest my food well and I'm feeling heavy and sluggish and I take ashwagandha, it's going to make it worse. So this idea that we could just say, take this food, take this supplement is a very westernized view of the body. And unfortunately, it's just wrong. I mean, I don't know what else to say about it. It is it is for someone to make a lot of money off of it. No, yeah. it is. It is. And that is, it's something that people need to hear because not enough people are saying it. And, and like you said, I mean, I didn't even know what you just said there. I mean, it's it's crazy that 
it is becoming such a monetized market where something that could be so good for you is can be turned into something that really isn't. But I guess. Well, but we got I, just to say one more thing on that. That that's really the heart of it. That's where um, Ayurveda differs from something like Western medicine is the consumer. So we want to be able to say, oh, if I just take this, I, I'm good. Mm-hmm. I don't have to do any work on myself. I don't have to change my mind. I don't have to change my diet. I don't have to relate to people differently. I don't have to do anything. If I take this pill, I'm okay. That's not how Ayurveda works. Mm-hmm. So that's the big difference. And that, and so we don't want to turn turmeric into the next pill. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I, it's almost similar to when I say, you know, you can't take a supplement to cover up a bad diet if someone's trying you know to get healthy and clean their life up there's there is no magic pill there is no magic pill no yeah and it seems like ayurveda really wants to go to the root cause of things and it's similar concept of not covering up these things taking antibiotics that will mess up your gut lining that'll then cause all these other domino effects of other bad things that could cause side effects in your body, but going to the root cause of, of maybe what is causing these things, what, what is causing you to eat more or what is causing you, you know, this stress in your life and this thought process and and bringing it all together. What do you have to say, or what does Ayurveda have to say about, you know, going to the root cause of these issues and problems instead of trying to cover it up? Yeah. I mean, that, that's the, that's the heart of it. And so Ayurveda has this idea called Semprapti, which is a Sanskrit word meaning pathology. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the idea is that by the time you get sick with something, anything, it's already been through a whole evolutionary process in your being, not just your body, right? Your entire being. And Ayurveda wants to break that pathology at every step, including and especially the root. Cause it's like, imagine a, a weed in your garden and you, you, you know, you mark lines on the weed and you mark five different lines and the six ones underground in the roots and you chop up the weed down one by one. That's good. You're cutting the weed back. Right. But unless you pull that weed out by the roots, guess what? It's coming back. Yep. Yeah. It's going to come back. So you got, you want to chop it down for sure, because that can bring a lot of relief of symptoms and stuff like that. And that's good. But then you got to rip it up by the roots. What people don't like is a lot of times is those roots are buried in our life choices. They're not a food. One of my favorite healers, her name's Carolyn Miss. And she's very, she's been around a really long time. And she has a great line because it's so blunt. And it's just like, look, you could eat cat food for the rest of your life. But if you have integrity with your own character and your own, you know, soul is what she says, you're going to be healthier than someone who eats pristinely, but is just full of hypocrisy and contradiction and lies and all that stuff. Right. And she's getting to the point. The point is a lot of the stuff that throws our body really out of balance is buried in our lifestyle. Mm. And that's the hard stuff to change, but is there. And once you change it, you feel great. It's just hard while you're changing it. Yeah, that yeah. is profound. People rewind that and listen. <laughs> That's profound. That is very profound. 
there is, you mentioned a few things, but, and we talked about root cause or, or imbalance, but the root cause of imbalance, Nidana, am I saying that correctly? Nidana? Yeah, yeah, sure. You can say it like that. Yeah. Okay. How do we say it? Let's go give me that. No, no, no. Nidana is right. That's the, yeah, it, it, that's the pathology. Sure. That is the pathology part of it because. Uh, yeah, it's the, the cause of suffering. Yeah. Because I'm intrigued with this idea of balance. Like, how do we live a balanced life? You know, how do we, how do we live a balanced life where we feel, uh, we feel disciplined, but we also feel free in a certain way, right? And mm-hmm. and the constant scale for for me, I anybody that's gotten into a state of flow in their life or a place where they feel like everything is flowing and they get thrown off of that track you can tell physically mentally your body feels it you know stress all those things so how how does ayurveda allow uh or how do we allow ourselves to live a balanced life and kind of be able to balance those scales out that's another really deep question so that's going to go all the way back to what's called your prakriti in ayurveda which is your your true self or your true nature your true form and it's different for each person and it is, uh, there's a, a line in the Ayurvedic text that basically says the source of all disease, all of it, everything is the separation from one's own spirit. Mm. So that's where it all starts. And the way reason we separate from our own spirit is fear and basically compromise, but not just compromise over everything. I'm not talking about compromising over the color of a, the wall you paint your room. Right. That's all I'm talking about, right? It's talking about compromise over expression of your authenticity versus a fear that comes up so you adapt yourself to fit a situation to please someone else. Mm. That's going to take you away from your prakriti and throw you out of balance and start a chain reaction. Mm-hmm. And that might that might span over 50 years, 60 years, 70 years, a lifetime. And it happens when we're very young. So Ayurveda is about reclaiming that authentic self. And, um, and that's how we find balance again. And there's a lot of ways we do that. That's the whole art of it. I mean, that's the hard part, right? That's the hard work. Yeah, that's incredible. There's, there's a guy by the name of Joe Hulk that has this concept of, of a trauma or things that happen when we're young. And I find this more and more true every day, but there's something that happens to us younger, whether we know it or not subconsciously that could affect a lot of the decisions that we make, a lot of the things that we do in life, whether it's a trauma or or a certain instance or just the way we were raised. Is is there a way for us to realize that and break free from that? I think obviously the first step is becoming aware. And it seems like Ayurveda is very heavy on being aware of yourself, being aware of your physical body, your mental and spiritual body. Yeah, extremely heavy on that. And, you know, there's a great um, guy named Gabor Mate. He's a doctor and he does a lot of work around this stuff. And he worked with addicts and heavily traumatized people for most of his life and was trying to find the wisdom in all that um, and why these people ended up that way really because he didn't buy the whole, oh, it's a genetic thing. He's like, no, it's not. Come on. It's ridiculous, right? So he he delves deeply into that. And a lot of his stuff in Ayurveda Align, one of his teachers was um, into all this. And so, you know, he brought it all into a very digestible form for the modern person. Yeah. 
Um, and so he's very much about getting in touch with a feeling and then tracing it back and showing where exactly it threw you out of balance and the physical ramifications that are happening from it. And you'll often notice that very simply, if you ask people to actually feel what's going on in their body, they can easily trace it back to their disease symptoms. It takes five minutes, but most people never do it. No one asks them to, and they never try. Yeah. And so it's like, oh yeah, I get it. And they make that connection. And then, like you said, that's the first step into learning because then you can undo that consciously and then reclaim a part of your authenticity again. Yeah. It, it, it's really interesting to me, the power that the mind has on the body on disease. And I think more and more people are starting to realize this and more research, physical background, like research science, the facts are starting to come out more where if someone is saying, okay, this sounds great, guys. This sounds great, Victor. But, but where is there any science behind this thing? And I'm sure you've gotten this question before. What do you yeah. say to someone who has, who has that question for you? I say, why are you so skeptical? <laughs> it's my first question. <laughs> and they'll, hopefully they'll say, why? And, you know, I bet you I could trace that back to a trauma. 20 bucks says, anyone who wants to try me, go ahead. Exactly. Um, the only rule is you got to be honest, right? No lying. Yeah. So, but to answer that question seriously, uh, there's tons of science. I mean, it's the stacks of paper, like, but science changes its mind every five minutes. So why are we putting so much faith in it? Mm. It's very true. My question. It's very true. And it, it to me, it's like, okay, here's the facts on it, but once again, we're all different. And if it's, if what you're doing, you're feeling better in every aspect of your life and you're seeing the side effects, the ramifications from practicing this kind of lifestyle, why are you questioning the science? Like I could tell you, you know, water is wet and you know, yeah, okay. Maybe it's wet. Maybe it's, I mean, it's like, how are you going to say that if it's, it's just, I don't know. Science doesn't always paint the picture that's reality at the end of the well, day. Well, yeah, but I mean, I think science is wonderful, right? Scientific method, all that stuff. It's really great at doing what it does. But we use this word science mm -hmm. as a defense mechanism inside ourselves not to open ourselves up to try something that has been around for thousands of years and saved millions of lives and helped millions of people heal billions, right? And so we don't just get to say, well, where's the study? That's not fair. Think about it, right? Like, wh why, why, what, do, what does Ayurveda owe you to give you a study? You know, why don't you open up and say, wow, this has worked for so many people. Why don't I see if it will work for me? Right. And I think that's the first step is going into it open-mindedly. If you go into it already skeptical. Exactly. You're probably not going to get much out of it because you're missing the whole entire point. <laughs> well, and I bet I could show you a lot of things you do in your life that have nothing to do with science. So why are you claiming science there? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yes, it's, um, there is tons of science supporting it if that's what you need. Yeah. Yeah. I'm intrigued. What, what are the, uh, this may be my ADD acting up, but what are the, uh, like glass behind you all the is this like herbs medicine what are we looking at here 
Yeah, those are all herbs, um, Ayurvedic herbs that um, they all have very, a variety of uses and come in so many shapes, forms, and sizes. Um, you know, there are thousands of herbs in Ayurveda and beyond. We don't use them in the West, but there are different compounds of minerals and stuff from the ocean and it goes on and on and on. So for someone who's like, how do I get my hands on quality, quality ingredients, quality herbs, quality supplements, whatever you want to call it? How, how, would, how do you go about that? Well, you can talk to an Ayurvedic professional who's yeah. trusted and they'll make sure you get good stuff. Um, there are a number of herbal places popping up. Um, Atreya, Atreya Herbs is very respectable. Um, for the most part, any of the bigger herb companies like Banyan, they have to pass so many regulatory screenings right. to get the stuff here that it's pretty safe. And, you know, India is a different place than the United States. And so, yeah, you do got to be a little bit careful <laughs> where, you, where you source your herbs from. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But anything that made it into the United States, you're, you're pretty safe with. So when someone's coming in and, and say they're interested in this, what's, how do you look at someone and say, hey, these are your, you know, you're heavy in this area and you're not in this area. This is where you're lacking. Is there, I know, you know, it's not just a simple, take this test online and see how, <laughs> right? I mean, I'm sure there's peeling back the layers, but what would someone expect if they come in and they're like, wow, this, this is awesome. I want to learn more. And they come to you and they're, what are the early steps to starting their journey and peeling back those layers through Ayurveda? Yeah. So you always start with a conversation. Um, and you know, someone who's trained in Ayurveda knows what to look for. So they're going to look you up and down. Like if it's over zoom, I'll look at your tongue, um, look at, you know, all your medical history, all that stuff and start putting the pieces together. Yeah. In a way that someone who's not trained might not just because they don't know. Right. right. Um, and if it's in person, I'd read your pulses, which is a big diagnostic method in Ayurveda. Um, that's much more than taking the heart rate and um, rhythm and stuff like that. It's a whole system in and of itself. And by doing that, we start to uncover what that Sampropti or that pathology is. And then we have a conversation about what to change. So we look to see where in your lifestyle, where in your diet, where in your thoughts, relationships, sleep habits, all that stuff are contributing to your imbalance. And then we create a plan to change that. Yeah. yeah. You, mentioned, you mentioned the pulse reading and this was something I, I read the PDF on your website. I thought it was really interesting with the heart rate variability and, and the pulse reading. How, what's the process, the basic fundamental process of that? Um, pulse reading is immense. So I've studied it for a long time. I actually just published a book on it, uh, called pulse unveiled. Yeah. So available everywhere. It's available everywhere. <laughs> it's available on Amazon. Yeah. Plug it later too. But. Yeah. Plug it, plug it. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's a specialized book for people who want to learn more about Ayurveda and pulse reading specifically. Right. So, um, it's probably not going to hit the Oprah Winfrey top 10 list. <laughs> Um, basically you read the pulses and someone, the idea is that someone's pulses are expressing the entirety of their body. If you know how to read it, if you know what to look for. So there are all these layers to the pulse and the pulse reader explores those layers by applying different amounts of pressure with the finger. 
and then picks up on the qualities being expressed and the patterns being expressed in the pulse. And then that gives us ideas about your dosha type types in Ayurveda, which is your constitution, uh, where they've fallen out of balance, the individual functions that go on in your body, like digestion or respiration or reproduction or on and on and the vital organs status of the vital organs and how they've fallen out of balance. And so we cross-reference that with all the other diagnostic methods we use. And by the end, it's like, okay, there's an obvious theme emerging in your life. You know, that's the idea by the end of a consultation, it's like, oh yeah, this is pretty straightforward. When you look at it, it's like, it's all moving in this one direction. And that's why you have this imbalance. Right. What is, what is, if you can share, what is one of the most extraordinary transformations or something that you've seen that you see in your clients that you work with throughout your years? Well, you can see the, uh, the physical transformation, obviously. I mean, that's usually why most people walk in the door, mm. uh, because they're suffering from some physical ailment and we want to reverse that. Obviously that's the goal. So, you know, one client, I had severe case of Crohn's and, you know, when I first started working with him, he is 80 pounds, something like that, five foot seven. Wow. So he is severely emaciated, um, couldn't hold bowels, anything like that. And the, he had been to hospital many times is, you know, he was in his late twenties or is in his late twenties and been sick since he was nine years old. So very young, right. Most of his life, he spent sick, never weighed over 110 pounds in his life. And that was only through, um, IV nutrition is how he got to that weight, which you can't remain on your whole life. Yeah. Um, so started working Ayurvedically, he came back from the hospital and that's when I got, a, got to talk to him. And, you know, it's like the idea in Western medicine is, okay, you need 2000 calories, right. To put on weight. So just eat whatever, as long as it's 2000 calories. Well, Ayurvedically speaking, that's going to severely agitate his condition. If you just eat anything, right. And 2000 calories is way too much for someone who's emaciated. So the idea was we very slowly nurtured him, gave his digestive tract only what he could handle. But here's the deal. He grew up in the West. He has a Western mind. His parents had a Western mind, right? So when I said, okay, we're only going to do 600 calories. It was like, oh my God, they had to get through that fear. Yeah. Right. That. Oh my God, what if something, you know, that's where most people get stuck. The fear comes up and it's like, I, I can't, I can't do this. But he was able to get through that fear, tried it out, started building, building, building. And over a long period, actually not that long. It's only been like six months. He's now 120 pounds and still gaining weight. Mm. So that's the idea. It's a very different approach. Yeah. And that was doing work with his mind, right? Because what we discovered was that Every time he would get anxious, agitated, afraid, which was severe in his case, he would start having bowel movements, which is a natural vagus nerve, autonomic nervous system shutdown response. Mm -hmm. So that channel in his body was hyperactive and it was all coming from his sense perceptions, his mind. Yep. So there you go. There's your mind body connection. You don't need to, you don't need a scientific study anymore. <laughs> right there. It's right in front of you. Oh, and I mean, it's, I was actually funny. You said this, I was thinking about this the other day of thought of 
Think about if you're about to go into an interview or you're about to have a big conversation that you don't want to have or you're about to do something that makes you nervous. You're thinking about it. You're not in the act of doing it. You're thinking about what automatically happens. Your heart rate rises. Your palms get sweaty. Your physical body starts showing your mental emotions. I mean, that's everybody has experienced that. So to think that this one thing doesn't channel the rest of your body and stress isn't one of the main causes of death and all these other things, I mean, just think about that. Think about the last time you were about to do something that made you nervous and focus on your heart rate. I mean, it, it, yeah. just, it blows my mind. It really does. It, it, it's right there. And there, it's, it's well known. There's a, there's a nerve called the vagus nerve and it's part of the autonomic nervous system. And that is the, I mean, if you're looking for a physical thing, that's what it, that's is it. That's what it does. That's its function. It, it relays information from your mind to all your vital organs and back. And so your body is communicating in all those ways all the time. So we do have to be careful. And it's not that you can just sit there and suppress negative thoughts that will not work. Positive affirmations will not work. They'll only work to a certain extent. You've got to get to the core of why you're afraid, why you're anxious, and then not only why, how to actually change that pathway inside you physically. Man, Victor, thank you so much for coming on. It's It's been incredible. Um, man, uh, we could keep going for, for hours. We, gotta, we definitely got to uh, do something else here sometime soon, but if you had one piece of knowledge, whether it's Ayurvedic knowledge, whether it's knowledge from your daily life or just something that you could share with the audience, what would that be? Oh, man, it's a good question. Um, I would say that if you haven't started deeply looking into yourself and who you really are and what's underneath who you are, start now. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. Very well said. Well, Victor, thank you so much for coming on. Where can everybody find you online and, and find more of the work that you do that helps so many people? Yeah, I, uh, I'm easy to find. www.iiayurveda.com. That's International Institute of Ayurveda. And we got an Ayurvedic school, um, Ayurvedic clinic, obviously. And uh, just shoot me an email. And um, I always like to offer a freebie. Yeah. So anyone who wants to talk to me for 15 minutes, I can try and see if I can tell you what your Ayurvedic constitution is. So you don't have to do an online test. Yeah. Just reach out to me. Let me know that you heard this podcast and um, we'll set up a time on Zoom. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's, that's a freebie, folks. It's a lot better than the online test. I can guarantee that. So Victor, thank you so much for coming on the show. Y'all, thank you so much for tuning into another episode of the Breathe and Air podcast. If you're listening on Apple Podcast, subscribe. Let me or Victor know what you think about the episode. And if you think this episode can benefit somebody, share it. We don't ask much here, but we ask for you to share this with someone who you think it can affect positively. So thank you all so much for tuning in and have a great rest of your week.